It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Man alive, Rich. Uh, Christmas is long gone. The first of the year, January first, is long gone, and time is moving along pretty fast. Today's complete story is going to really, really be a blessing. It's going to be informative. It's going to be really special, isn't it? Well, it is, Dad. But I want to say that many of our listeners right now, you have a challenge in your life. You have a problem, and you just can't see past it. You don't know how it's ever possibly going to work out, and you just can't imagine how you're going to be able to survive. And Mahalia Jackson has written a song where she sings this song. I want you to turn your radio up and enjoy it right now. Have you
Rich, tell me, uh, I wonder how long ago she recorded that. Boy, I don't know. Have you any rivers you think are uncrossable? Yeah. Any mountains you, what, you can't tunnel through? Today's program is going to show you that there isn't a mountain you can't climb. There's not a river you can't cross. And it's just what God's plan is. And this is going to be a wonderful story, isn't it? Very inspiring, tell, true story. I want to tell the listeners, when, when we moved to Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, in 1962, that's a long time ago, I was raised in Minnesota, and then when Shirley and I were married, uh, went out to California, and then when we came to Kansas City, I thought I was in the Deep South. I'd never been here before. I had always heard, however, the story about Dred Scott. That was in the history book and as a child, but it never related to me. And then, little by little, being here in Missouri, I, I found not only more about Dred Scott and the Dred Scott decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which was so infamous, and then the fact that it's a St. Louis story. And the more I got into that, the more I was fascinated with it. But I want the listeners to hear this, folks. This is Black History Month. And I'll tell you, this is a wonderful story. It's, a, it's something that, that I want every listener, I want every student, I want every teenager to really turn your radio up now and listen to this story. And then we've got a surprise for you when it's over. Here it is. In 1857, the Supreme Court was a decidedly partisan institution. Of the nine Supreme Court justices, seven were pro-slavery Democrats. Five came from slaveholding families. Their desire to secure the rights of slaveholders would cause them to make the most infamous judicial decision in American history. The man who started it all was named Dred Scott. Dred Scott was a slave born in Virginia. His master ultimately moves him to St. Louis where he is sold a couple of times and ultimately ends up in the hands of a man named John Emerson. John Emerson is an army surgeon. And when John Emerson is posted to various frontier forts, uh, the first one is in what is today Rock Island, Illinois, he takes Dred Scott with him as his servant. Now, presumably, Dred Scott becomes free the moment he's taken to Rock Island because Rock Island is in Illinois. It's called Fort Armstrong at the time. But Dred Scott remains a slave at Fort Armstrong. And then his master takes him to Fort Snelling, which is today St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, that is the area that was made free under the Missouri Compromise. Several years later, Dred Scott returned to St. Louis with his master. But after Emerson died, Scott sued for his freedom on the grounds that since he had lived in free territory, he was no longer a slave. A jury of 12 white men in a St. Louis circuit court judged him legally free. Two years later, the Missouri Supreme Court reverses this. Uh, they re reverse precedents going back to the beginning of Missouri statehood. And they are very frank about it. They say times have changed. When John Emerson's widow remarried, she transferred ownership of Dred Scott to her brother, John Sanford. John Sanford lives in New York, but has business interests in St. Louis. And so now Dred Scott can sue in federal court, alleging he is a citizen of Missouri, his owner is a citizen of New York. And that's how the case goes forward to the Supreme Court. No suit pressed by a slave had ever come before the Supreme Court before. It raised important questions. 
the lawyers representing John Sanford made the argument that no black person can sue in federal court because black people can't be citizens of the United States. The majority opinion in Dred Scott was written by Chief Justice Roger Taney. Taney was a resolute foe of racial equality, the Republican Party, and the anti-slavery movement. Chief Justice Taney begins by saying Dred Scott can't sue because blacks can't be citizens. Um, and he makes a very famous statement. He says at the time of the Constitution, they had no rights, they meaning blacks, had no rights that the white people needed to respect. Now, having said that Dred Scott can't sue, the technical legal thing Tawney should have done was said case dismissed. Because obviously if Dred Scott can't sue, then he can't be in court. Tawney can't hear the case any longer. But Chief Justice Tawney didn't stop there. Tawney goes on to face another constitutional question, question of whether Congress could constitutionally have passed the Missouri Compromise. Did Congress have the power to prohibit slavery in the Western territories? And here he makes an argument based on the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. The Fifth Amendment says you cannot be deprived of your property without due process of law. And so he makes the argument that the federal territories cannot ban slavery because slavery is a fundamentally protected property within the United States constitutional scheme. He says, basically, look, the Constitution is pro-slavery. We have a pro-slavery country. Slavery is a protected property. It's protected more than any other kind of property and it's protected in the territories. This was also, by the way, essentially a drop-dead letter to the New Republican Party, because the New Republican Party, organized in 1854 after the Kansas-Nebraska Act, was based on the theory that you should stop slavery from spreading into the territories. We fearlessly declare that there never was, under the whole heaven, a more atrocious, wholesale wickedness perpetrated upon the bench of justice than this. Such a decision cannot stand. All that is merciful and just on earth and in heaven will execrate and despise this edict of Tani. The nation has achieved a triumph. Sectionalism has been rebuked and abolitionism has been staggered and stunned. Dred Scott himself was purchased by the sons of a former owner and set free a year later. But the controversy surrounding the Dred Scott decision did not quickly die down. It's that third uh, element in the triangle of disasters, I suppose, in the, in the, in the pre-Civil War decade. Uh, and that here, now the court has joined the politicians in making a decision, in this case, in which the, the Supreme Court decides, basically, that Dred Scott and, by extension, all, all black Americans have no constitutional rights that whites are bound to respect. Yeah. You see, Rich, what that uh, says to me so loudly is that uh, you take the same laws, the same uh, uh, constitution, and then people have their bias. They have their own individual way of looking at it, and they can twist it and turn it and mess it up. That's why the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, is the book. If people would learn to go to the book and from which right and wrong is determined then, and then things would be better. But that's not human nature, is it? Well, what this case shows us, again, is that the Supreme Court does not always get it right. Yeah. All right now, folks, we said we had a surprise because time goes on. 
life goes on. And Dred Scott and his precious wife, Harriet, they had a family. And then the family all grew up and had a family. So the great, great granddaughter of Dred Scott is in our St. Louis studio and is going to join us in this broadcast. And she's a Christian and loves the Lord. And what a beautiful, beautiful person she is. And so uh, should and, I just And she's a Bot Radio Network listener. <laughs> yes. Part of our oh, listening family. Right. So anyway, welcome Lynn Jackson sitting now in our St. Louis studio and uh, the great, great granddaughter of Dred and Harriet Scott. Here we go. Hi there. Thank <laughs> you for having me, guys. It's always such a pleasure to be right. with you. Thank now, you. Now, now uh, I don't want to ask you your age, you know, but... But you have grown children yourself, don't you? And your husband, your husband, yes, Brian. Me and Brian. Yeah. Tell me how it was when you were a little tiny girl. When did it start dawning on you that your family had this legacy, this part of the history that's very personal to you in a way that as an American citizen and everyone listening, it's personal, but it's an abstract compared to the way you feel about it. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I was born in St. Louis, and my mom and dad, John and Marceline Madison, who were well-known here in the city, um, they were wonderful, wonderful parents. And uh, my dad had his law degree from Lincoln University and his education degree from Harris Stowe. Mom was a registered nurse, and she became a licensed uh, nurse. Um, they had four kids. I have three siblings, um, John, who's deceased, Marcy and Mike. But we all grew up in church. We all knew the Lord. We all had a good opportunity for education. And we were a, we were a very special family, I think. Actually, to be honest with you, um, my sister and I are just extremely close. All of us are. Um, and it's just because of the love of God that was brought to our family through our parents. Do you all still live around the St. Louis area? Uh, my brother's in Kansas City, actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, for goodness sake. My sister's sake. here. Mm-hmm. Well, Lynn, when when did you come to the realization that your family was so famous in this uh, infamous bit of uh, American history? American history. Well, I think I was maybe four four years old, and my dad played Dred Scott in a court case at the old courthouse. But it was not just a normal day; it was an evening with a lot of people in all the family, even from out of town. Uh, my uncle Dred Scott from Michigan was there, and my aunts were all there, and. Everybody was dressed up. Grandmother Grace was there, and the, and the news cameras and the lights were there. But my dad played Dred Scott, and he never spoke. Um, that was unusual because he was quite the orator. But at the same time, I could tell something special was happening. Um, at four, I didn't know what that really was, but uh, we've always known and been told as we grew that Dred Scott was our grandfather. Yeah. And so... Um, even though I thought my dad was already important and famous, I came to understand Because he was your dad. Out. That's right. That's right. And he was the best. <laughs> he really, really was. Yeah, he you was know. your dad. Isn't that nice? Uh, go ahead, Rachel. As you tell this, uh, Lynn, I, I remember you always talk about Dred and Harriet Scott. Because Dr- Dred and Harriet, it's really their story together, isn't it? It is, Rich, and the reason for that, which is one of those little unknown facts, but when I get to go around the country and tell a story, I really can flush out all these little minutiae. But Harriet, being in free territory, also had the same rights and grounds to file for freedom under once free, always free, as he did. And so they did, and they did this, I believe, with all my heart, 
to spare and save their daughters from being in a lifetime of slavery because having known that they had this right and it was being denied them by their owner, the widow Irene, they went to court and she, Harriet Scott, filed her own separate petition and had her own suit to sue for her freedom. And just say if Dredd did not win his case or God forbid he should have passed away, she would have that case out there in the courts, and as the mother goes, so goes the child, and she would have freed her daughters. But um, she had her case combined with his because they were very, very similar. And, of course, the expense of court cases was mounting as it went through the years. And so it, the Dred Scott case is really the Dred and Harriet Scott case. Yeah. How many descendants are there now? I have been saying for 10 years I'm going to figure that out. And I don't know the exact number, but I would say there are about maybe 45 to 60. And I'm going to give a range in there because some of my cousins might be great-grandparents by now. In fact, I know they are. And uh, and I don't know exactly all the little ones. I don't want to leave them out. So I'm going to just average out and say maybe 50 of us. Yeah. something I need to do. <laughs> uh, you know, Dredd and Harriet Scott, they must have been people of determination, people that were positive in their thinking, people that would not give up, people that would not allow uh, time to go by without struggling and doing their very best to persevere. Isn't there a message uh, to each and every one of us right smack out of the Bible about that? That's right. Um, clearly, they were very tenacious because their case took 11 years to get through to the Supreme Court decision. And over those 11 years, they had to secure funding, or in many cases, they were given pro bono, but the friends helped the owners of their previous, I'm sorry, the children of their previous owners helped. And then uh, they had to endure the fact that once the Missouri Supreme Court said no, it should have been over. They had to make a decision to go forward knowing that this was now going to impact the nation if it made it to the Supreme Court. And that put everything on their case as to what would happen to every other African-American in this country, every other slave. And not only did it impact the ones who were enslaved, but the free blacks were also now being told that they were not citizens overnight. And whereas they may have voted and been uh, free, had businesses and traveled, um, they now are being told they're not citizens. Yeah, so their was, case was very, very important to everyone, and they had the courage to continue it to, with hopes that it was going to come out well. And this Supreme Court decision in 1857 called the Dred Scott decision was one of the worst in the whole nation's history, authored by Chief Justice Tawney. But one of the most beautiful events I ever attended was the reconciliation you know, wait, wait, event. Wait, hold it there, Rich, because our whole family, you and I both— and you were there at something. Go ahead and tell what happened. Well, I want Lynn to tell about this reconciliation event that involved the great-great-grandchildren of Dred and Harriet Scott and the great-great-grandchildren of Chief Justice Tawney. Who had made such a miserably bad decision. But then there well, was a reconciliation. But tell us about that, Lynn. Yeah. The, okay, so, Rich, you're referring to our first Dred Scott Reconciliation Conference, which yes. was held in St. Louis. And we were so glad you came. But that was an opportunity for uh, our sons and daughters of reconciliation, which included several other people. But in particular, the great, great nephew that day of Chief Justice Tawney, Charlie Tawney from out east, he came and he offered an apology for his ancestors' actions. 
And uh, on that particular day, it was spontaneous. We weren't planning to have that happen, but it did. And as you said, it was extremely moving. Um, he apologized. And, and what I love about uh, Charlie and his daughter also, Kate, is that they own this. They don't dance around it. They don't try to soft pedal it. They don't rationalize it. They say it was a horrible decision. So we actually had another opportunity, and this was planned for a formal apology, and that happened on the 166th anniversary of the Dred Scott decision in Annapolis, Maryland, where Chief Justice Tawney was from. And if you Google and look up those photos, you'll see Chief Justice's statue behind us in the background as Charlie made that apology national. And uh, that, to me, was also every bit as moving as the first one. So uh, so we are now working together and uh, and actually traveling a lot. We just came from Virginia for Virginians from Re- for Reconciliation, and we'll be in Oklahoma on March the 4th. Oh, my, my, my. Now the little courthouse. Of course, it wasn't little then. It was the courthouse. <laughs> but the <laughs> right. original courthouse still stands there in St. Louis. Underneath the arch. Underneath the arch. And there is a statue erected uh, to commemorate Dred Scott. Tell us about that. Dred and Harriet. Well, that statue is there because I told my husband, I don't see a statue of uh, Dred Scott anywhere in the world. And Brian went and researched it and looked it up. He said, I don't see one either. So I said, well, that's going to be one of the, you know, purposes for why I'm creating this foundation. The long and short of it is, though, that we were able, by God's grace, to raise $250,000 for a statue that our own local Harry Weber designed and created for us. And it was dedicated on June 8th. Again, Rich, you were there. I was for the dedication. And uh, we we unveiled that statue of Dredd and Harriet outside the old courthouse facing east, facing the Mississippi River in the Arch. It was a beautiful day. And to this day still, there is only that one statue of him. But there are other recognitions can I share a couple with you? No, oh, please. Well, first of all, he's in the Walk of Fame in Marshfield, Missouri, which some people say used to be Klan country. He's also getting a Hall of Fame installation at the Missouri Public Affairs in Springfield on April 17th. And right now, there are two bills going through the Missouri legislature, which is House Bill 1399. Which is asking for March 6th to be Dred and Harry Scott Day in Missouri. And the other one is House Concurrent Resolution 74. And that one is really special because this one will renounce the Missouri Supreme Court decision in Missouri if we are able to have that go through. And it's it's gotten um, some really good support. So now, we're people, hoping that that will. People listening to us from Texas all the way up to Indiana and Kansas and and in Nebraska and out California. to California. You're hearing this, but this is something that affects you because it was an American um, situation, and the Supreme Court got it wrong. And it happened to be uh, birthed in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And there was something about the Mississippi River that you mentioned when we were talking about this. What was that? Well, when Mahalia started to sing her song about the river, I told you that Dred Scott was on the Mississippi several times from Minnesota to Louisiana, traveling back and forth with his owner, then the doctor, John Emerson. So um, some people say that he may have been one of the most well-traveled slaves 
because he was also in Texas and you know came from Virginia, was living in uh, yeah. Florence, Alabama. So he he had an opportunity to travel, not just be sold and sent, but to travel. Yeah, remember that song, Old Man River. <laughs> See the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River starts way way up north, way up northern Minnesota, I think. Well, and then it it, it it winds its way down through the, listen to what I'm going to say, folks, the heart of America and ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. The old Mississippi River, mm-hmm. what a history, part of, of America. A lot of it's sad. A lot of it's glad. I took note of the fact that when everything was done, apparently education— and taking advantage of the freedom to learn things, to know things, to do things, you all have the dreads and Harriet Scott get up and get it done spirit about you. Go ahead, Rich. Lynn, uh, one of the things that I was impressed with at this reconciliation event was that it was motivated out of the the appreciation for the gospel of Jesus. And I'd like to give you an opportunity just to share a word of your faith and, and your trust in the Lord. Oh, well, thank you. That's not a hard thing to do at all. Um, Like I said, we did grow up in church, but I am an avid Bible reader. So I, by some, are considered, you know, somebody pretty knowledgeable by it. And and the Word of God tells us that we're all ministers of reconciliation and that that is the heart of what Jesus Christ did. He came to reconcile us back to God. And so if he can do that, we should be trying to reconcile ourselves and our own differences here but as Christians, you know, we should have the love of God to shed abroad to all people. And uh, that is what we're trying to do. We want every person to understand the Dred Scott case is not a black or white or any political thing, although it is about politics and law. But it, it really comes down to people and relationships and, and an appreciation of the value of human life. And so uh, reconciling ourselves is what we're about. And... Um, on that note as well, um, one of my sons and daughters groups, which we were just with Charlie Tawney, is the Plessy and Ferguson family, and they are now Plessy and Ferguson and working together as well. So um, this has had some remarkable responses, and so we must do what we were told right. to do by the gospel. Well, thank you, Lynn Jackson and Brian Jackson. We'd want to forget your husband for sure. He's a great well, who guy. Forget him. <laughs> no, All right, this rock. is really neat. Yeah. This is like we're in the reconciliation yeah. generation. <laughs> All right, this is yeah. Dick Bott with my son Rich and our special guest, Lynn Jackson. We'll repeat this broadcast at other times as well. This is, and we'll see you later. This is thank the you, last Lynn. chapter of the complete story. Thank you.